Hello, hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to Money Awakenings. I am your host, Larry Morrison, the host with the most. I don't know what the most what of. Most ranting, probably. I don't know. <laughs> I am the financial shaman, and on this podcast, what we discuss is money. We talk about money, but in a different way than you might be used to, which is we talk about all the belief systems that block money and wealth and abundance and... Sorry, just catching the wind here. Just making sure I can do this right now. <clears throat> we, uh, we break down the beliefs that block happiness and unconditional love and everything that we want from flowing to us. You know, I always think of it like this. Like, imagine you're in a glass house. And I'm not talking, this isn't a sto- throwing stones type scenario. <laughs> A glass house, or even just a house with a glass dome on top. And what we've done is we've taken like sheets of paper, thick construction paper, and blocked out all of the glass so that the sun cannot shine through. And one by one, belief after belief, we take down a piece of paper so the sun starts to shine into us. That's what I feel about wealth and abundance and love, is that we don't need to do anything for it. We have to undo everything that was conditioned into us that says we're not good enough, we don't deserve it, or I'm bad with money. I'm going to work on that belief at least in the beginning here. I'm bad with money. Think about what would happen if someone had this belief. They would look for ways to destroy money so they could be right about it. Remember that a subconscious belief always has to be right. How does the belief get into the subconscious? It's either anchored by trauma or repetitive thought. So then... If you believe that you're, that you're bad with money, what that does is it incites judgment. Judgment is born because of conditional love. Conditional love is very simple. We come from unconditional love where just like every baby, toddler, or young child absolutely loves everything, has no qualms about anything, is never afraid, anything like that at all. And then conditional love is indoctrinated into us, basically saying, if you're a good girl, you get a treat. If you're a bad boy, you get a spanking. Right? It's the carrot and the stick game. It's always the same game. And what that does it is it, it creates judgment. Because what would be the use for judgment if you knew you were unconditionally loved at all times? There would be no need for judgment. What, what would be judging this good or bad? Would it matter? Because it's still unconditionally loved at all times, and it is unconditional love. Now, you could use discernment to see what you prefer, but just because you're getting something that you don't prefer doesn't mean you're not loved, right? And this is the danger that goes along with believing that you're bad with money, because then it leads into, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but it leads into, I'm bad with money, so I'm a bad person, And then it leads into, God must not love me because I'm a bad person, because I'm bad with money. See how the train of thought goes? It's not, it's not a very, it's easy to fall into that train of thought, fall into that trap. It's not even a slippery slope, you know, it's just kind of almost logical, unfortunately, which is why logic is so dangerous at times. I was thinking about this this morning and I am going off on a tangent, so I will come back to I'm bad with money. But what I was thinking about was Spock from Star Trek. If you don't know, it's uh, a character who uh, or is from a world where they lean on logic because emotions are so uh, erratic to most people. Of course, this was written by a man 
and it's played by a man because it's very man-like thinking very masculine energy to think that emotions are somehow bad but anyway that's not my point my point is that logic can only do so much because it's logical to cut down a rainforest for money that's logical thinking when you take a step back and go that doesn't make any sense at all because you're killing the very earth that we live on right for money now if you said well we we kind of need it to make space for you know humans and it's like we have to really be careful of the logic that says war is a good idea in any stretch of the imagination right like logic is very mechanical and the mind trying to get rid of emotion is the same as trying to cut your own legs off and then trying to run why would the universe put those things there, your legs and emotions, if they were useless or somehow bad? It just goes to a deep misunderstanding of our own emotional guidance system and our hearts. And it comes back to conditional love. Because we don't want to feel pain. We're not used to pain. We're used to unconditional love. That's what we come from. There's this, only here do we experience pain heartache shame guilt fear all of the you know, all the negative emotions that go along with all those so when you believe you're bad with money you immediately feel shame because you're saying i'm bad which means you're conditionally loving yourself that's shame so you say i'm bad with money you're shaming yourself And what's so fascinating about this is this is how we have been taught to correct behavior we don't like, is to shame it. Here's what I mean. If you're bad, you get a spanking, right? Easiest thing to understand. So, or we could look at a a puppy, right? I always use this one where you rub your nose, it's nose in poop when it poops in the house, you can't really shame a dog. It's not really possible. But you do something in order to tell it that, it's not, that that behavior is not okay. But what we do as humans is we spank or yell or scream or blow up at a child uh, or be violent with spanking or even more violence or put them in a timeout or put them in the corner with the dunce cap on or any of that shit. You're shaming the child to correct the behavior. Why is that so important? Because the child doesn't know the difference between the behavior and the person doing the behavior, them. So they think they're bad, not the behavior is bad. So now, every time... They come across, as they grow into adults, you know, because this happens thousands of times. You're told you're not good enough thousands of times by the time you're 18, right? Or by the time you're seven and most of the subconscious beliefs have been implanted. Think about how many times you're told no. Every time you're told no, a child takes that as I'm not good enough or I don't deserve, You're saying, hey, can I have ice cream after dinner? No. They're thinking they did something wrong. That there's something wrong with them. And it's not to say you give children whatever they want. It's to say that you explain why you don't want them to have it. I don't want you to have it because you're going to get fat already. Because if you said it like that, it'd be like, oh, shit. Well, Larry, I can't just give him ice cream every meal. What am I supposed to do? I don't know. Here's a crazy thought. Listen to your heart and ask it what you're supposed to do. Just a, you know, random thought that no one seems to have anymore. But will, I'm sure, at some point. Because the way we're going is not working. Or it needs to be updated, rather. Anywho, where was I?
So, people think that we should shame, which is the, the second lowest vibration there is, the second lowest frequency there is, is shame. People think it's the lowest feeling, but it's not. It's conditional love is the lowest. Conditional love is the lowest frequency because it's the foundation of shame. Now, people think you should shame someone to correct their behavior. Like, you shouldn't have done that. You're a bad person. And that somehow will make them want to do better next time so they don't feel that shame. It's the same as a child. We do it all the way to adulthood. We, we say shameless for someone who's not affected by this type of behavior correction. The people that, we're secretly super jealous of those people, of course. But this type of behavior correction where we tell you you're a bad person, like, who gives a shit? Fuck off, right? And they just don't care about what you have to say about them, your judgment of them. And this is what it is. You're being judged because it's a conditional love. You are being judged and manipulated. Keep in mind, remember how all manipulation works. All manipulation is done two ways. It's really the light and dark side of the same coin, or the front and back, or whatever you want to say. All manipulation is value manipulation. All manipulation is value manipulation. Someone devalues you, and shames you by saying there's something wrong with you, right? You did a bad thing, and you're going to have to do this thing that I want to get out of the hole that you find yourself in. But when you see it, you can't unsee it. And so when someone is shaming you and saying you did something wrong, or that there's something wrong with you and they're trying to devalue who you are or what you bring to the table, they're the ones putting you in that hole in your mind. It's not real because all value is subjective. means it's up to judgment. And your value is immeasurable. And when you know that, someone tries to shame you and put you in a hole, you just stop and go, I disagree. You did something wrong. I disagree. I don't see any wrong. Now you can become shameless too. Now they don't have any power over you. I didn't do anything wrong. What's, what's wrong? Was spending money was wrong? No, it wasn't. You shouldn't have done that thing. How do you know? How do you know I shouldn't have done that thing? But... What do you mean, how do I know you shouldn't have done that? How do you know I shouldn't have done that thing? I shouldn't have got drunk and got naked and streaked through the quad. Like, how do you know I shouldn't have done that? I disagree. I think I should have done that because I learned so much from it. Right? Like, when you disagree, you fundamentally take all of your power back. The other way someone manipulates, so that's the main way someone manipulates. Someone shames you to put you in a fake hole in your mind that you have to get out of by doing what they want. That's manipulation, 101. Manipulation 102, the other side of that coin is someone builds themselves up in there in your mind or builds up something that you want in your mind. The easiest example of this is when you're with someone and they're like, you know what we should do is we should create this business together and we're going to make tons of money. And all you have to do is you have to, you know, sell your house or put a, put a mortgage up on your house. You do this work. I'll do this. And we're going to make tons of money. So they sold you on, not that you shouldn't start a business or whatever, but so they've sold you on something that may or may not happen in the future and having you jump through all of these hoops to get to this thing. This is what I call a leprechaun, selling you the pot of gold at the end, end of the rainbow, right? And so you see this in infomercials, not infomercials specifically anymore, but like people that sell um, get-rich-quick schemes, right? All you have to do is 
enroll five people who enroll five people who enroll five people and you're a millionaire. Right? (laughs) So you have to do shit you don't want to do. That's the key to manipulation. Always remember that. The key to manipulation is you have to do something you don't want to do intrinsically. This is why it's so important to stay connected to your heart and listen to your heart. Because if you're doing what your heart wants to do, no one can manipulate you. You can just say, that's not what my heart wants to do. I don't want to sell five people who sell five people who sell five people. Doesn't sound fun to me at all. Right? Get a little too windy. Taking a break. You won't hear anything. I'll be right back. All right. Commercial break over. We're back at it. No wind. Okay. So now you've got an update on how how exactly manipulation happens, right? Somebody wants you to do what they want you to do, not what you want to do, or not at least what you're not what your heart wants to do. And they do it by putting you in a hole, uh, making you feel less than them, making you think that they got it all figured out, or inflating themselves through some pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Some imaginary distant thing. Oh, we're going to do this thing, and it's going to be so huge, and you're going to be rich, and all you got to do is work for free now. Eh, Nope. Wrong answer. Um, so not that, you know, if you're in startup mode of a actual company, you know, sometimes you got to do some stuff for lower pay than you would like, but for more on that, go listen to my podcast on why you should never work for free. But if you're listening to your heart, bottom line, you never fall for manipulation. So let's circle back to, um, I'm bad with money. Why? Would anyone make you believe this? Well, they could be manipulating you to hand over your money to them. And I do not not like conspiracy theories. It's not my point here. But it's not that hard of a leap to see that if you believe you're bad with money, you're going to hand over that money to people who pretend to be good with it. Right? It's, it's not even manipulation if you already believe that from your childhood or that somebody told you this or taught you this when you were a young age. It's not manipulation. It's literally like what Wayne Gretzky used to say. They always used to ask the great one, Wayne Gretzky, um, how, did he, how did he get to the puck and, and get to the net? He's, he just said, I just went to where the puck was going to be. Like he had... The vision to know where it was going. And he'd get there right when it got there. Right? So it's the same idea here. Like, financial professionals aren't necessarily manipulating anyone. But if the belief permeates a, a mass amount of people that you're bad with money, then they just show up and be like, we're good with it. Hand it over. They're called bankers. We're financial professionals. Right? But if the way someone is manipulating you is if you don't have that thought and then they tell you you're bad with money and say, hand it over to me and I'll take care of it. That's manipulation. Or it could be somewhere in between. Which is, you have that thought, but you're kind of questioning it and they poke that button. They push that button that you're bad with money. See, you made a mistake right here. Oh, you haven't even started saving for retirement? And how old are you? 35, 40? Oh, wow, we are behind. We got to get you going. How many fucking times have I heard that nonsense? So, they could just be pushing the button that's already there. It's up to you to discern whether it's manipulation or not. I'm not going to answer that question. But, how do we undo this manipulation? How do we undo this manipulation by the financial industry and by your own ego trying to tell you you're bad with money? It comes down to wanting. 
and attachment, really. So now I need to launch into the whole point of this conversation, which is wanting. I used to say that all want and desire is born from lack. I don't believe that anymore. I believe my perception of that has evolved. Here's what I mean. Want is neutral. Desire is neutral. It doesn't mean anything inherently. However, want, desire, whatever you want to say, becomes problematic when you would either feel that you're lacking, right? So this is where I used to believe, but now I've kind of separated these things out. So if you believe that you are lacking and this thing that you want will make you whole, or the happiness equation, I call it, right? Which is, you know, once I get this thing, then I'll be happy. When you fall into the happiness equation trap, right? Then want becomes bad because then you are lacking or you believe you're lacking. Now you have a giant hole inside of you that you think this thing will fill. That fill, that is when want becomes bad. That's when desire becomes bad or problematic, let's say. Nothing is inherently good or bad at all. Problematic in your life, it will cause pain and suffering if your neutral want is born of, I need this thing to be happy. I need this thing to feel fulfilled. I need this thing to feel loved, right? And this, when it comes to money, if you're like, I don't, if I don't get this paycheck, I'm going to feel unloved by God and have to eat out of dumpsters, that's when want becomes bad. You'll be, you become conditional. You become conditional based on the lack. So what I mean by that is you're not unconditionally happy. Your happiness is now pegged to getting this want, getting this desire. Or your love for yourself or this universe is pegged to getting this thing. And yes, I need to say this for myself, gang. I needed to hear that too. Like, even though I've said it and know it, I still fall into this stuff too. Please, please understand. I'm now in no way perfect by any stretch of the imagination. All things are perfect. But I need to evolve with these things too, let me just say. I need to work with them more to where they stick. Because I feel myself conditional as well. Conditional on certain things being a certain way. Right? For instance, the traffic on the streets that I'm on. It's ridiculous. So, the other way want becomes bad, though, or problematic, rather, because it's neutral in the beginning, is when you attach to it. When you attach to it and say, I need this thing. I have to have it. I can't see a life without it in my future. I must have it. When you attach to it, attachment becomes your downfall. The attachment to it, the grasping of it. Think of attachment like this. A love story, Romeo and Juliet. If I can't have her, I'm going to kill myself. Now, I'm in no way saying that there's something wrong with Shakespeare's play, and I'm not saying there's something you shouldn't fight for what you believe in and with love. What I'm saying is, if I don't, if I can't have it, my life is doomed. I, you know, it's a must have, and I will do whatever it takes to get it. And if I don't get it, I'm going to kill myself. That's ridiculous. That's absurd. That's attachment. Here's another way to look at attachment. 
I need to have this promotion for my family to be safe because you've built it up in your mind, right? For my family to be happy and safe and get them get the new car, get the get the medi- the benefits. I have to have it. And then your boss asks you to asks you to do something unscrupulous, unsafe, or immoral. And you're like, I'm so attached to this thing that I'm going to push past my morals, my ethics, and do this thing. That's attachment. And that's what makes wants problematic. <sighs> okay. Now, now that we've got the ground rules established, let's start to meld them together. Someone manipulates you by putting you in a hole and saying that the only way to get out is what they want. But you have the secret weapon. One, you could disagree. And just feel like, I don't want to do that thing. I disagree with you. I'm not in a hole. No, no, you're a bad parent. You need to do this, this, and that to get out. I'm, I disagree. I think I'm a great parent. And I don't need to do anything. My kids know how much I love them. Right? So you break the spell. And... When you're aware of it, now you see what they want. And what they're attached to, the other person who's trying to manipulate you. You see what they're attached to and are willing to manipulate and and break boundaries over. Put a pin in that, we're going to come back to it because I'm going to do the flip side of the coin. Oh, we've got this great thing. We've got this great thing. We're going to do this huge promotion and you're going to get so much business. And, or we're going to make this startup and then I'm going to be set for life. We're going to go to the Shark Tank and it's going to be amazing. And I'm not talking down on that show or selling ideas. I love that stuff. I'm just saying, when you go and attach to that... Because you don't know what source wants. And if you don't know what your heart wants, if you don't know where your compass inside of you is pointing, and you're chasing shiny butterflies, shiny objects, chasing the pot of gold, you are going to be lost. This is what I'm trying to teach you. How to let go of the attachment to the wants. And sit with where your heart wants you to go. Where your heart is directing you to go, rather. Probably be easier not to confuse the word want and all this. Your heart's calling is pointing you in a certain direction. It's telling you where to go. And if you get off track with these shiny objects, it's only going to cause pain and misery. So... Here's the way I look at it. I have people approach me with opportunities all of the time. All of the time. Hey, you should do this. Hey, we could partner up on this thing. Oh, if you, if you brought your expertise to the table here, we would be for sure a success. And I say no to a lot of it because my heart doesn't want to do it. And I always have to do what my heart wants. What it is directing me to do. This is how you can undo a lot of manipulation. But let's just stick with someone's manipulating you with the pot of gold side of things, right? Oh, you do this thing and we're going to be set for life. All you have to do is sell your vital organs, right? Blah, 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 blah. Here's how you undo that. Now you see what they want. And you would detach from your wants. You have to understand that the universe wants something too. The way I used to look at it is money wants something from you. You want money, but money wants something from you. 
And it's an equal exchange. Sometimes it doesn't feel equal, but it is. You have to be following your heart's calling. That's what money wants from you. Source is similar. It wants you to follow your heart's calling and become what you're meant to become. You already are what you're meant to become, but you know what I mean. To evolve to your highest version of yourself. To let go of the limiting story, right? Then once you start doing that, you get the hang of that. You have to know what source wants. You have to know what your heart wants. Pretty much the same thing all the time. 100% of the time, what your heart wants and what source wants is the same thing. Because source is your heart, basically. For, for the easiest way to understand it. Okay? So, because if your heart wants something and your conscious perception or your ego wants something else, you're out of alignment. Stick with me here. Stick with me here. Stay with me. If you're out of alignment with what your heart wants, you will be chasing and pushing a boulder up a hill. Or the other way I put it is, Source will routinely come and knock down your house of cards if you're not listening and following your heart. Oh, you want to build some thing, some fake, you know, some company to make just for the for money, even though your heart is telling you to go over here? Okay. Go ahead and get started. I'm going to freaking pull the rug out from under you every time. Stop doing that. When you let go of the attachment to what you want, you come back to neutral. My heart wants this thing, but I'm not attached to it. Which is the same as saying, I don't care when it comes. I'm just going to keep heading in that direction. And when someone tries to manipulate you, not only do they show what they want, but they also show what they're attached to. Not that you want to manipulate them back. But when you see someone else's attachment, you go, oh. And you're willing to manipulate for that? You start to feel gross. Like, Jesus, why am I so attached to wanting this thing? Why am I so attached to money? All the money in the world, I would still just want to go after my heart's calling if I had, it all, in the, if I had all the money in the world in the bank right now. If I had millions of dollars, I would still just want to go after my heart's calling. So what's the point of having it what, who does that help? Enough is the same as this feast. Enough is as good as a feast. It's the same thing. Right? The old magic wallet scenario. For those of you who don't know, I always ask, if you could have $10 million, $100 million, or a magic wallet that had just enough every time you opened it, which would you take? If you say you would take $100 million, then what you're really saying is, I'm scared, and I need the money to make me feel unafraid. Because if you had, if you knew you had always enough, you wouldn't need hundreds of millions of dollars. And guess what? You always do have enough. Always. Every time. You know how I know that? Because you're listening to this. Which means you've always had enough your entire life to get to this point. Just like every other living creature on this planet. So we have to take wants back to neutral by unattaching from the time frame from when they show up. Couldn't we just say, hey, I want this thing. I want, let's just use one of mine. I want to live with my soulmate and see her every day. I would like my book to be published and 
you know, a bestseller and get as many books out there and helping people as possible. I know my heart wants those things too. So if I know my heart wants those things, I know I want those things. Then all I have to do is detach from the time frame. When they come is irrelevant. Because I know what? I know I'm not going to be any happier than I am right now if and when they come. Just say when, because it's easier. When they come. If you're detached from time, how do you know they're not right around the corner? You don't. Because we definitely don't want to validate through what we can see in the mere reality. Right? We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. No one knows the future. So if we say whenever it comes, I'll be just as happy as I am today, we start to employ the power of paradox. This is what I've been getting super into lately, or what's been coming through me lately. The power of paradox. Here's, let's just use this one that's in front of us. Nothing needs to change. And yet everything is always changing. Nothing needs to change and yet everything is always changing. That's a paradox. The nothing needs to change part is nothing needs to change for me to be happy. Nothing needs to change for me to be centered and grounded. I'm right here right now. My life doesn't need to change. That's attachment. That's the happiness equation. When I get this, then I'll be happy. This thing needs to change because it's not good enough right now. You know, like if we use my book for an example. My book's not published, so I'm not happy. I'm not going to be happy until it is. That's conditional living. That's saying something needs to change. That's saying the life isn't good enough right now. But if I let that go, say everything is perfect, everything is happening just as the way it should, and I'm happy today, and nothing is going to make me happier than being happy, because there's no scale, just like full. When you're full from a meal, you're full. There's no more food is not going to make you more full. It just is. More food is actually going to become detrimental if you eat past when you're full. Right? So it's the same thing here. Nothing needs to change for me to be happy. Everything is perfect right here, right now. And everything is always changing, which means we are constantly evolving every second of every day. And if you know that everything is always changing, you can aim your own evolution. For me, aiming my own evolution, one part of it that I'm using for this example, is to publish the book. Which I'm actually doing. I just got the finished product of today of the, um, the book cover. So amazing. My, uh, my artist, my good friend who is my artist, shout out to Noriko. I've got to get her information on here. I'll have to remind myself to do that. Should put her website in the comments or something. Anyway, I just got that. It looks amazing. It's so fantastic. So things are happening. Things are changing. Things are evolving right on schedule. But nothing needs to change for me to be happy. Nothing needs to be more than what it is today for me to be happy. And yet everything is always changing, which means things are evolving, and they know their own time frame. This is why goals are stupid you don't know the universe's time frame you don't know what the universe has in store and when it's supposed to line up so why do we believe we know what's best that's so arrogant i'm gonna make this goal and i'm gonna make this happen and you completely leave out source from this equation you don't have any power Source has all of the power. Yes, you are source. 
But to think that your power doesn't derive from source's power is ridiculous. Let it do all the heavy lifting. This is how you do it. You come up with something that you truly want, not money, because money is just a thing that helps you get one of the ways of abundance that helps you get to what you want. Right? I <laughs> say it like this. If you had a genie that had unlimited wishes, you wouldn't ask for another genie. That's the same as asking for money from a genie if you have unlimited wishes. It's dumb. So, Okay. You want something. Great. That's neutral. You have to make sure it's not born from lack. Saying, I feel like, I, you know, if you're lonely and you're wanting a lover to fix your loneliness, that's a want born from lack. That will never work. You have to go inside and say, why am I lonely? Right? What is this loneliness trying to show me? What is this feeling of lack inside of me? Oh, it's because I was broken up with, you know, 20 years ago. And I need to go mend that heartache. That's why I'm feeling lonely right now. Because there's a huge difference between being alone and being lonely. You can be lonely in a room full of people. Because you don't know how to connect to your own heart. People who are connected to their heart are never lonely. Right? Loneliness is a comparison. Typically when people are lonely, they're comparing what's going on in front of them, whether they're with people or not, to having a connected heart-to-heart connection or heart-to-heart conversation with somebody. When you have that heart-to-heart connection or heart-to-heart conversation, you never feel lonely because your heart is open to someone else's and theirs is open to yours and you're connected, right? But when you're lonely, you're not connected to your heart and, or the heart of source, if you will, and you're thinking about that time in the past or maybe sometime in the future where you're going to have that connection and since it's not here now, you're thinking about the lack of it and that's what makes you lonely. So if you say, I want to fix this loneliness with something in the mere reality, then you're already lost. This is where want, born from lack, is no good, is problematic. I don't want to use good or bad, because nothing is good or bad. It's problematic. It's going to cause suffering. But if you said, I'm alone right now, I'm connected in my heart, I don't need a lover but I think I would prefer to have a lover. Then there's no, you let go, there's no attachment. I'm okay right now, I'm still breathing, everything is fine, and I'd prefer to have a lover, but if it doesn't come, I'll still be just as fine, because I'm happy right now. That's way different than being born from lack. Then you let go of the attachment by saying, I'm going to put this out in the universe and let go. It's on its way. That's what I love from Abraham Hicks. It's on its way. How do you not know it's on its way? It could totally be. But by saying, why why hasn't it shown up today, source? Do you not love me because my lover's not here? You're attached. And anybody who can see your attachments can manipulate you. I was manipulated for many years by many different business partners because I was attached to the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It wasn't until I got, well, for the most part, got it or got close to it enough to see the bullshit that I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm making 10 times as much money as I've ever made. A business is hugely successful and I still feel like I'm chasing what is going on and that's the genesis of everything you see and hear from me I mean of course a lot of this stuff was built up and inside of me and thought about and but it wasn't until like I got super close to where it was like oh shit 
something is definitely wrong. Something is definitely off. If I'm still chasing with all of this money and all of this, you know, business success. And my business partners manipulated me because they saw the chase. They're like, oh, we're going to be millionaires if we do this. We're going to be, you know, gazillionaires if we do this. And I was just like, okay, let's do it. They saw my attachments. And subconsciously or consciously, they used it to steer me around like a joystick, like a puppet on strings. Let go of your attachments to what you want. And just simply cut the strings by saying it's on its way. And I don't ever have to do anything my heart doesn't want to do. And you might say, Larry, but my heart just wants to, you know, play video games. If that's truly coming from your heart, then why wouldn't you do that? Because it's lazy. Okay, who's judging that? That sounds like a parent if I've ever heard one. You can't just sit around and play video games if it's truly come from from your heart. So let's dive into that part really quick. Most likely, most likely, the most, let me, let me rephrase it, let me rephrase it. One of the most important endeavors you will ever, ever encounter in your life is to find out when your heart is speaking versus when your ego is speaking or your patterns or your thoughts. That is by far one of the most, maybe I would say second most important thing to do on this earth. The first I'll leave as a cliffhanger for later. All right, here. It's just know thyself. Know who you are. Become aware of who you actually are. It's kind of like saying enlightenment. But become aware of who you actually are is the most important thing. But let's put that aside. Second most important thing is to know when your heart is talking versus when your ego is talking. And what's funny is that second most important thing will lead to the first most important thing. Because when you know when your heart is talking, you're following your highest excitement, you're following your heart, it will lead you to unraveling your limiting beliefs, which will help you get closer to knowing who you truly are. So they kind of work in tandem now that I think about it. And how do we do this? Day by day, following your heart, following your highest excitement, and a lot of meditation. You could do plant medicine too. I don't ever advocate for doing anything illegal. Get yourself to a sovereign land or nation if, you're, if that calls to you to do plant medicine. A lot of meditation. You could also work with people like me. You could take courses, right? Sit with shamans, sit with mediums, sit with whoever. No matter what direction you go in, it's all unconditional love. You want to talk to channeled aliens if they're actually extraterrestrial, extraterrestrial, they only talk about unconditional love. Plant medicine, all unconditional love. People on the other side, all unconditional love. Every time you dive deep, when you really do a deep dive in meditation, you come out feeling unconditionally loved. It's unconditional love everywhere else, and conditional love is the freaking hamster wheel of our indoctrination, domestication, and conditioning. That's where it comes from, conditional love, conditioning. Lots of meditation, gang. I've been recommending this to most of my clients lately. Like I'm talking like two and a half hours, three hours a day. If you could do two and a half hours to three hours, let's just say two and a half, just keep it simple. And it doesn't have to be all in one chunk. But if you could do two and a half hours a day for 90 days straight, 
your entire life will change. And I will add, do the meditation while focusing on your conscious awareness on your heart. Because then you'll strengthen the connection and it'll start to speak to you in a language you can understand. With feeling, with image, yes, auditorily as well. It speaks slower than the ego, always slower. It's fearless. Why is it always slower? Because there's no rush, there's no urgency. The ego is always in a hurry. It's always quick to respond. That's why when I, I'll ask people something, like a deep question, and if they respond right away, I'm like, oh, that came from their ego. They didn't even think about it. It was just a pro pattern. It'll always be loving. It'll never, never tell you to cross a boundary of anyone. It's fearless because there's nothing to fear. This isn't this is all an illusion. Right? We never actually left home. It's all an illusion. And your heart knows this. There's actually nothing to fear. Yes, we experience it as real, don't get me wrong. I'm not belittling the illusion. <laughs> I'm not saying none of it matters, because that's ridiculous. If nothing mattered, you think the universe is gonna waste its time? Everything about the universe is efficiency. Efficiency of time, or efficiency of experience, rather. So, to, so if you're having a life experience, which obviously I think you will if you're listening to me, then there's a reason for it. To think otherwise is ridiculous. Oh yeah, we're just doing this for no reason? No. Come on now. We don't do anything for no reason. Not really. So... What did we learn today? We learned that want is actually neutral. If you keep it that way. If it's not born from lack, which is my life sucks and this thing is going to fix it. And you don't attach to it, which is I got to have it. Otherwise, my life's going to suck. Then it stays neutral and you can let it go. And you can let it go by simply saying one of my favorite lines from Abraham Hicks. It's on its way. If you just said, I don't need a lover. But I'd prefer to have one. I want to experience that. If that's what Source wants and that's what my heart wants and I truly believe that. I'm saying this is a hypothetical. I have a lover. Anyway. So. If you say that and put it out there and you're just like, okay, and it's on its way. How do you know it's not on its way? You don't. So if you just say it's on its way and you detach from when, that statement is always true. It's on its way. It's always true when you let go of when. Because if you said, if, if the lover came a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, and it's 10 years from now, and all that whole 10 years, you say it's on its way. When it finally showed up, you say, see, I was right. It's on its way. Then, on top of that, when it comes to wanting, you can be very open and vocal about what your heart wants when you know what it's coming from your heart. And when people try to manipulate you and say, no, you've got to get a job. If your heart does not want that, and again, remember what I said, the second most important thing you possibly do in this life is figure out when your heart is talking to you versus your ego and your patterns, your conditioning. 
if your heart truly doesn't want to get a job, then you have to follow it. If it says you got to go to India and meditate in a certain ashram, if it's coming from your heart, which is always going to expand you and excite you, you got to follow it wherever it leads. You got to follow it wherever it leads, gang. Because, remember, if you're not following your heart, what are you following? If you're not following, if you're not listening to your inner guidance, what are you listening to? When you express what your heart wants... Let go of the outcome. Even if it's coming from your heart. Like my heart says, I want to publish the book. Right? Even if it's coming from your heart, you still have to let go of the outcome. I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but I know what? It's on its way. Why wouldn't I think that? I don't care how long it takes. It's on its way. And if somebody says, hey, I could publish your book. All you have to do is do this, this, and this for me. If I'm not attached to when, then I can just go, well, let me check in with my heart. Mm, My heart doesn't want to work with you. Sorry. But we could get, I know the people that make New York Times bestseller happen tomorrow. This could happen tomorrow. We could do it right now. My heart says no, love. My heart says no, I can't do it. Sorry. Detach from the outcome and how you think it's supposed to look and just stay present. Stay present with it. Don't try to get rid of want and desire. That's (laughs) problematic too. We're just trying to get rid of the attachment. And we're trying to get rid of it born from lack. Because lack is unacceptance of where you are right now. You don't employ the power of paradox. You're living conditionally on a roller coaster of, oh, when I get this thing, I'll be happy. You have to live unconditionally. I'm unconditionally loved at all times. I'm unconditionally happy. No matter what happens, I'll still be happy. I'll find a way. Yeah, I might be down for a little bit. I might be triggered for a little while. I might have a couple of rough days. But I'll come back. Because I'm unconditional. And everything is always changing. I can evolve while I wait. While my thing is on its way, I'm going to evolve to become the magnetic attractor of that thing. I'm just going to sit and evolve. Well, maybe not sit. Do you know what I mean? Well, for instance, for me, my book is on its way to being published. And I'm evolving, rereading it. It's, it's changing me. It's at the editors right now. I'm getting amazing feedback. Me and my art designer are working on the oracle cards for it. I'm working on the companion journal for it. I'm evolving while I wait. It's evolving while it waits. And by letting go of when it happens, the timing will always be perfect. So, my friends, I hope you don't try to get rid of want and become like those... One of my favorite lines from Alan Watts... He's like, I always make fun of the Zen, the Zen masters who say uh, desirelessness is what you want to cultivate. And he always said, well, isn't desirelessness a desire? <laughs> You're not going to get rid of desire. Because if you want to, that's a want. That's a desire. 
So you're not going to get rid of want. Want is neutral. It's okay to want things. It's just problematic when you attach and when you think it's going to fix your life. Because those two things make you conditional, not unconditional. I hope something I've said has helped you here today. It's helped me. I honestly didn't know where this was going. I was not attached to the outcome. And yet, it's perfect. (sighs) Know that you're unconditionally loved at all times, no matter what. As you set out on this journey to become what you chose to become before you got here. Know that you are loved on every step of the way. Nothing is out of place. There are never any mistakes. You got this. Everything that's happening is happening for you all the time. We are Different rocks in the same quarry, different cars on the same highway, different stars in the same sky. My unconditional love to you. Be well. Good journey, my friends.